Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. My name is Josh Barnett. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. We're praying that this message equips and empowers you to live in the kingdom of God. Uh, a few weeks ago, Paul preached a message, and I was like, dude, you went in my office and read my notes uh, before you got up there because I was going to preach on that too. Um, <laughs> it was like a lot of the stuff he was saying. I was like, I was, supposed to, I, I was, I was going to say that. Um, but it was such an incredible sermon, and I just, man, and I feel like if the Lord put it on his heart and my heart, it's something that the Lord is really trying to do and stir up in our heart this morning. And man, every song the worship team sang this morning, I was like, that's my sermon. That's my sermon. That's my sermon. That's my sermon. Like everything uh, was just building to this. And I really believe um, that this is what our church is stepping into. And this morning, I want to preach to you on being an overcomer. I want to preach to you on walking in victory. So how do we do that? What's that? What does that look like? You've got to know that as disciples, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we are overcomers. We are already victorious. Eternal life is not going to heaven when you die. Jesus says in John chapter 17 that eternal life is knowing the Son whom the Father sent. That's eternal life. So eternal life starts now. Eternal life is right now. After you give your life to the Lord, when you begin to follow him, eternal life starts. And so in in seeing the kingdom, everything we've been talking about this year, all the good stuff isn't just waiting for you to hit that sweet by and by or until the Lord comes back and sucks you out of here. You know, he's got a victorious life that he has called us to live right now. He's got incredible, amazing things for you right now. Like he, 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 he wants us to thrive, not just survive. He wants us to, uh, you know, enjoy, like we get to enjoy this life with him. He didn't expect you to just, you know, get your brains kicked in for the next 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. Like you actually can walk in a measure of joy that is unexplainable. A measure of peace that is unexplainable. A measure of love that doesn't make sense. Like it, all of these things he, he given us, he's given us now. Jesus did a lot more than just to give you a get out of hell free card. Now I'm thankful that he set me free, that, like I don't have to burn in hell for all eternity. Thank you, Lord. But he paid for so much more than that. We get to live with him right now. We get to walk in the cool of the day, in the garden with him again. Now the reason that we don't oftentimes is because we don't believe that that's available. We think that all the good stuff is wait, right? But, but the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you that quickens your mortal body. And, and perhaps a lot of times we don't walk in this victory because we speak so many awful negative things over ourselves. So as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so if you think that you're getting old and you think that your body is wearing down and you think that you're sick and you think, and it's constantly just these things coming out of your mouth, well, then that's exactly how you're going to feel because you're speaking it over yourself. The power of life and death is in the tongue. It's quiet in here. <laughs> God doesn't want you to just white-knuckle the steering wheel of life and try really hard to stay on the road. (laughs) He actually came to give us life and life more abundantly. And he's got a calling, a mandate, a purpose for you here on this earth. And he's a father who wants to give good gifts to his children. He actually wants us to walk in freedom. Like God put Adam and Eve in the garden for a reason. And when they sinned, when they forfeited their authority, when they turned that over to the devil, God didn't say, well, screw it. Just give up on them and give up on the planet. No, he actually had a plan in place. He knew that we were going to choose to do that. He knew that we were going to choose sin, that we were going to choose creation over the creator. He had a plan in place to bring us back into that. And so he's actually 
Jesus came to restore everything that Adam and Eve turned over to the enemy. And he actually restored it before he even died on the cross and rose again. Luke chapter 10, he sends the disciples out two by two. They come back saying, we raised the dead, we cast out demons, we did all these things. And Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Luke 10, 19, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. All the power. Jesus said it, not me. So what's the reason oftentimes that we don't see it? Because we don't believe it. We don't believe it. But Jesus actually came to restore us back into our original design, our, the original intention. He's got a garden now that he wants us to tend. He, uh, the Great Commission, he sends disciples out. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go in my name. So we're being sent with his authority to take creation back, to call the planet back into alignment. Like, I know the earth is screwed up. I know, like, we see wars and storms and and uh, racial divide and cancer and, and all we see all these terrible things but God has placed you here because you're the answer to it as he has filled you with his spirit he now puts you so like biblical Christianity isn't like getting saved and going to heaven when you die biblical Christianity is looking at the curse and saying God placed me here for such a time as this he placed me here for such a time as this, and that is to call all of creation back into alignment. Uh, uh, Romans chapter 8, all of creation is groaning for the manifesting of the sons and daughters of Yahweh. All of creation is waiting for eager expectation. It's waiting with eager expectation for the sons and daughters of God to realize who they are. Because when they realize who they are, everything begins to change around them. Come on. You don't believe me. I will just show you my family line and then you can come look and see my family. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what Jesus told us to pray. He wouldn't tell us to pray unless he meant for it to happen. Why would he tell us to pray something that he didn't want to happen? And how much is his will being done in heaven? 100%. He wants his will done on earth 100%. He said, go ye therefore making disciples of all nations. Not ye go, go ye therefore and try really hard. And when you mess up, I'll come back and suck you off the planet. It's not what he said. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. But we have done that down to preach the gospel to all nations. So it's like we put it on a checklist of like, well, once, once all the nations know, then Jesus can come back. And so it's like, we told everybody, God, now come get us. That's not what he meant at all. <laughs> we told everybody about you, now come get us out of here. That's not what he means. He means make disciples of all nations. Teaching them to obey my commands. This will give purpose to your life if you'll let it. This will give purpose to your, this will give purpose to your job if you let it. This will give purpose to your vocation if you let it. Because we all need to understand, me and Tim and Paul and Chloe and everybody else on staff, we're not the only ones in full-time ministry. Are you saved? Welcome to the ministry. You're not part-time saved. So you're not in part-time ministry. We are all called to be a city on a hill. We're all called to be filled with his spirit and shine bright for him. And just because we intellectually verbalize 
that Jesus died on the cross and rose again to save us from our sins, to overcome darkness, just because we intellectually verbalize that doesn't mean that the gospel was actually preached. Romans 15, 19, Paul says, they were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Jesus Christ. So maybe it's not just explanation, maybe it's demonstration. It's not just explanation, it's demonstration. This is a life lift. And listen, I believe that this church, I believe that the church across the world is stepping into a season where we begin to really believe who God says that we are and we're gonna start seeing those signs and wonders and miracles because we actually then, we believe that he is a good God, that he's a good father and we're gonna step into this thing and begin to, not waiting on a rapture, but God put me here to reverse this curse. That's the good news. That's good. He called us to build his kingdom, to bring heaven to earth, not to hide out in church until the world gets so messed up that he comes to bail us out. Jesus would not tell us to do something he didn't believe we could do. And he wouldn't tell us to do something that he would not empower us to do. He believes we can do it because he's empowering us to do it. We are to overcome this world. We're to overcome this world. John 16, 33, take heart, for I have already come, overcome the world. Bill Johnson teaches it this way, we're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory. We're fighting from victory. It's already over. Jesus already won. The enemy is defeated. He just makes us think that he's not defeated. But the only power that the enemy now has is the power that we abdicate to him, is the power that we give him. And oftentimes it's because we're allowing false prophets like Fox News and CNN to speak things into existence over our lives that aren't actually true. Right? We're allowing Facebook to tell us what's going on in the world. Instead of looking at scripture and saying that I have the, uh, the authority to tell the world what is allowed to go on in it. That'll preach. So what do we, we're overcomers, we're not victims. What are we overcoming? First thing that we've got to overcome is sin. We've got to overcome sin. It starts, it starts with us, it starts in our own hearts. Yes, G Jesus didn't just die to save us from the penalty of sin. He died to save us from sin's power, from the grip that sins have on our life. Romans 6 makes it very clear that I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm actually a slave to righteousness. The proof that you're free from sin is temptation. Because you can say no. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, God's not going to allow more temptation to come on you than you can bear. And he actually gives us a way out. What's that way out? Him. Jesus. We cultivate this relationship with him. Now, so I want to let you know this morning that you don't have to sin. I think oftentimes we live with expectation of that we're always going to fall. Now, Paul does say, take heed, therefore, lest you fall. Like, be careful that you don't fall. Like, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention, but we pay attention to him. And as I pay attention to him and I cultivate my relationship with him, he empowers me to overcome sin. There's a, I, I get there's a sanctification process that happens, but understand, friend, there are things that tempted me 10 years ago that are no longer a temptation for me. Why? Because whom the sun sets free is free indeed, okay? <clears throat> you, don't have to, you don't have to ride the struggle bus the rest of your life. You don't have to live in addiction for the rest of your life. How do I know that he can set you free? Because he made me free. 
There are people in this room, we could get testimony after testimony after testimony, I, where people would say, I was addicted to pornography, I was addicted to crack, I was addicted to meth, I was whatever, and say, Jesus set me free. Come on. And I can get testimony after testimony after testimony up here, people who've been healed from sickness, who've been healed from disease. How? Because Jesus healed them. Come on. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16 says, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly into the throne room of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. It's right there. His grace empowers us to overcome. But you've got to go boldly into his throne room to get it. And you've got to understand, I talked about this a few weeks ago when I talked about the Abba Father revelation. You've got to understand the way that he sees you or you won't go boldly in. Right? The whole point is, is that you couldn't do it, so Jesus did. And because he did it, I now can go boldly into the throne room before him and receive his goodness and his grace. And then he empowers me to overcome sin. Come on, grace isn't a license to get away with whatever you want to get away with. Well, I'll do it and God will forgive me later. That's not the point of grace. The point of grace is to empower me to overcome the things that held me captive. Why would I want to continue in something that made me, I, like, that doesn't make sense to me. But his goodness shows you, his goodness shows you how amazing he is, that even though you were messed up, you chose to worship the creation over him, that he still died to set you free. And when God looks at you, he sees you, but he sees you in the righteousness of God. We've got to overcome sin. You cannot read the New Testament and think that living in sin is a normal lifestyle for a Christian. It's not. Every single epistle talks about take that off and put this on. James, 1 John, if you continue in your sin, God's not your father. I didn't say it. John did. So if you're mad... Be mad at John. And again, I'm not saying that you're not going to blow it, and I'm not saying that there's not great grace there. But I am saying this as you cultivate, it's so normal as you cultivate a relationship with him, and you begin to say yes to him, you begin to lay these other things down. Jesus said many times, take up your cross and follow after me. But, but I don't believe that, that the cross taking up your cross and following after him, you follow him up on that hill and you choose to die and then guess what? Then you get resurrection abundant life. Oftentimes, the reason that Christians live so miserable is because they never come down off the cross. They are constantly struggling and battling and continuing to have to go back up there. And you don't have to. You can actually walk in resurrection life. We have been set free from sin's hold on our life. We're also supposed to, supposed to overcome struggles, storms that come our way, rejection, persecution, labels, anxiety, depression, you know, whatever it is, whatever storm comes your way, we're also called to overcome those things as well. You know, maybe you're from a broken home situation, you've been stabbed in the back, people have said horrible, nasty things about you. Maybe, maybe you've experienced like severe loss in your life, like really deep loss, really deep hurt. You can overcome that too because Jesus overcame it.
Listen, Jesus' worst pain wasn't when he started getting, wasn't when he got tied to the whipping post. Understand, his worst pain started on Thursday night when he was in the garden. And his friends began to run away. And Judas came and kissed him. So don't say that Jesus doesn't understand. This, we have a great high priest who sympathizes with us, who understands the loss, who understands the things that we've been through. Jesus would have lost his father early on. Jesus was rejected by his own family. They thought it was crazy until he rose again. Maybe you've been hurt deeply. You can be healed. You can overcome that hurt. You don't have to walk around that mountain your whole life. There's freedom this morning. There's freedom this morning. We're called to over, we, we actually can overcome those storms. But we'll never be able to settle the issue of the storms around us if we don't settle the issue of the storms with inside of us. The reason that Jesus could overcome the storms that were outside of the boat is because there were no storms going on in here. And as we settle this issue in here, we then begin to understand that we have authority to settle issues out here. And I'm not saying that storms aren't going to come. I'm just saying when you trust in him, the storms are still going to come. They just won't rock you like they did before. Does that make sense? The storms are still going to come. They just won't rock you like they did rock you before. And so you, as you cultivate this relationship with, with him, the storms can be all around you, but you can be in peace. You can be in rest because you understand that he's already defeated all of those things. And so you can walk through the storm without being full of anxiety, without being full of fear, without being full of depression. You can actually walk through it and then begin to bring peace to the places around you. We're called to overcome this world. Not the earth, the world. There's a difference in the earth and the world. When Jesus says overcome the world, he's talking about the spirit of the world, the kingdoms of this world, the darkness, the evil. We've got to understand there is a culture that lives in direct opposition to God's kingdom. There is another kingdom that is fallen, that's broken, that's defeated. Jesus defeated it, but it stands in direct opposition. And just like the devil, ha God has a plan for the world, so does the devil. He's got, just like God has a plan for your life, so does the devil. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy it. It stands in direct opposition. We are in a spiritual war. We are not fighting against flesh and blood, Ephesians 6, 12, but against rulers and authorities of the unseen realm, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Romans 12, 21, so don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. 1 John verse five, uh, chapter 5, verses 4 through 5, for every child of God defeats this evil world. Pause. For every child of God defeats this evil world. That should make us all run around the room. For every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Then you're going to defeat the world. Then you have been given the power to overcome the world. Second Peter chapter one verse four talks about how we are carriers of God's divine nature. We share His nature. We share His power. We can overcome darkness with light. We can overcome evil with good. We overcome the world by living like Jesus. We have the power to overcome the enemy. And where do I start? You need to start in your own life. 
You gotta be an overcomer in your own life before you can be an overcomer everywhere else. Get your life in order, and then you start walking in authority in other places. When you're... And I'm not saying that you have to be perfect to live in the kingdom. Jesus was the perfect one. But as you cultivate, again, you, this relationship with him, he begins to sanctify and you perfect you and you begin to experience the kingdom. First in your own life, then you find it in your home, your family, your front yard, your community, your city, your nation, and then the world. So maybe you're asking yourself, well, like, okay, I don't see that in my life. I, like, I'm trying to overcome and I can't overcome. What, what oftentimes keeps believers from overcoming? Paul talked about this a few weeks ago that I also want to hit on. In John chapter 5, Jesus comes to a lame man who's been invalid for 38 years, can't walk for 38 years. Jesus comes to him and asks him like the dumbest question in the whole world. Do you want to be made well? Duh. Been here for 38 years. Do you want to be made well? Like, what kind of an asinine question is that, Jesus? Do you want to be made well? Are you kidding me? Like, have, like, and I'm thinking, like, Jesus, like, have some compassion, no? Like, have some empathy. Like, sit down with him. Feel his hurt. Feel his wounds, Jesus. Why would he ask that? Why would he ask, do you want to be made well? And the hard answer that sometimes we even have to look like in our, we have to look at in our own heart and our own life, and I'm not trying to be mean here. The hard answer that we have to, that we come up with is because not everybody does. Not everybody wants to be made well. Right? And when Jesus asked, why, do we, why don't we want to be made well? Because being, well met, being made well comes with responsibility. Because no longer can the man lay on the mat and not do anything. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to step into all that God has designed for you to step into? Yes. Well, that comes with responsibility. And honestly, as I begin to see people step into this, as they begin to step into the meaning, as they begin to stand up, the first thing that gets them is like, oh no, I'm not in charge of my life anymore. Because when you're made well, the first thing that God will send you is authority. He will put authority into your life that will begin to say, you have to lay this down, and you have to lay this down, and you have to lay this down, and you have to lay this down. And our culture goes, whoa, I don't want that. I'm in charge of my own life. I'm not going to go to that church because they tell me how I should live. God bless you with that. <laughs> and, and, and when he asked the man, do you want to be made well? The first thing, well, there's nobody to put me in the water. not what he asked but oftentimes when jesus comes and asks us do we want to be well we have we we want to say it's that person's fault that i'm not made well and it's that person's fault that i'm not made well and it's that church's fault that i'm not made well and it's that pastor's fault that i'm not made well and it's that it's it's what my dad did to me and it's what my uncle did to me and it's what it, listen that's not what he asked you he asked you do you want to be made well and, and and i could pull again i'm talking about people's testimonies being overcomers because uh, a revelation says that, that by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, we will overcome. But I could pull up person after person after person up here right on, on this stage and we could give you testimony about how they were abused, how they were sexually abused, how they were manipulated, how their husband treated them, what, how their wife ran out on them, how all these things happen. 
And they can stand here with confidence and say, Jesus healed me. Jesus healed me. Jesus set me free from that hurt. He set my heart and my mind free. But in a, we live in a culture, and it, and it seeps into the church too, we live in a culture that idolizes being a victim. We idolize being a victim. And oftentimes it's a race to the bottom. Why? Because in our culture, it's a race to the bottom because when I'm at the bottom, it's, all, it's me. Look at me, help me, feel what I feel, empathize with me, have sympathy on me. But I want you to understand that compassion does not empathize with you. Compassion challenges you. And I know that's a hard word to hear for a lot of people. But if Jesus had just sat with him and felt his pain, the man would not have gotten up and walked. And I, listen, I am terribly sorry of what so-and-so did to you, or what your friends did to you, or what your dad did to you, or whatever. I am super sorry to you, but, but wallowing in that hurt is not going to bring freedom to anybody else. And, it, and, and, it's not gonna, and you're not going to have freedom. Do you really want to be made well? Because you're going to have to walk away from this thing that you're holding on to that gets you attention. Come on. People are desperate for attention or they don't want to take responsibility for their lives or their decisions or they don't want to work. Many people don't want the responsibility that comes with healing. Whatever it is, a lot of people will always have an excuse of why they cannot be an overcomer. And so even as I'm talking about being an overcomer today, excuses fill our minds. Well, my doctor said, well, I know a great physician. And I'm not, I'm not against like all four doctors. Go to the doctor. Absolutely. But at the same time, we're going to lay hands on you and we're going to see you set free. We're going to see healing come to your body. We're going to see the Holy Spirit quicken your mortal body. I'm not saying don't go to the doctor. Well, my therapist said, I'm not against therapy. Go to your therapist. But at the same time, I believe that just like God can heal a body, he can heal a mind. Come on. Just like God can heal a body, he can heal a mind. God, God is actually way bigger than our problems. Way bigger than our problems. And there's no problem in your life right now that God doesn't have a solution for. And oftentimes... We, we don't want to be made well because we like our mat and we like our attention or we like our sin or we like whatever. But he tells that man, doesn't even listen to his excuses. If you want to be made well, pick up your mat and walk. And this man has a decision to make in that moment. Am I going to stay here for another 38 years or am I going to walk into all that God has called me to? And he picks up his mat and he begins to walk. So now he can hold his mat and he can tell other people, look where I was and look what, now what can he do in your life? That's all testimony is. Jesus challenged the man. He didn't accommodate him. Come on. So we have to overcome. How do we overcome? You got to cultivate this relationship with him. You've got to lean into what he says. Again, it's not that storms won't come, it's that they won't rock you like they used to. You'll be full of faith knowing he is already with you rather than full of fear hoping he shows up. You'll be full of faith knowing he's already with you rather than full of fear hoping that he shows up. You'll know that he's with you. Come, come on, Paul and Silas in Acts, they were, put, they, were, they were chained up, their heads were put in stocks, they were like this. 
But they weren't hoping that he was coming. They knew he was there. And what did they do? They begin to sing praises because even though they were oppressed, they were free. And they, they begin to manifest such a degree of freedom that the chains fell off of them. And it doesn't matter what the world does to you. It doesn't matter what kind of person you face. Believers can step into a realm that it doesn't matter how oppressed or how persecuted I am. I'm still free. What can man do to me? What can man do to me? Read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Look at how people were singing praises with God until they were killed. Read about the story about Peter, how they crucified his wife before he was crucified and he pointed at her. Don't you forget. Turn that cross upside down. I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Savior. How does a man get to that place? Because he knows who he is. Because he knows who he is. Right? And we don't, we're not, maybe one day somebody will face that type of persecution around here, but we're not. Like our persecution is like, oh, they talk bad about me on Facebook. Mean word hurt. These dudes were getting pulled apart by horses. And I get it. I know words can hurt. I totally get that. But when you come into a place of knowing who you are, say what you want. Because I know what my father says about me, and his opinion is the only one that matters. God bless you. <laughs> we got you know, on too many rants. I got to move on. We got to rest in his victory. Rest in his victory. We were made to overcome. We were not meant to be a victim. When Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he defeated the enemy. He won. Again, we don't fight for victory, but from victory. The most quoted Old Testament verse in the New Testament is Psalms 110.1. If it's the most quoted Old Testament verse in the New Testament, it might be important. It's the father saying to the son, sit here while I make your enemies your footstool. Guess who is co-seated with him? Ephesians 2.6, you and I. We are co-seated with Christ in heavenly places. We're just seated with him. If we'll begin to believe that that person that we are laying hands on and praying for healing to come, if we'll begin to believe that what they're struggling with is already defeated, we'll begin to see it manifest in that person's body. Come on. How do we overcome? We rest in his victory. Psalms 23, in the presence of my enemies, what does he do? Pick up the sword and fight. No. Sit here. Eat with me. Don't worry about your enemies. And it, God told uh, Joshua in the Old Testament, under an inferior covenant, he did not say, Joshua, I want you to pick up that sword, and everywhere you swing that sword, I'm going to give you that ground. He said, no. Joshua, everywhere your foot treads, that ground I'll give to you. Everywhere your foot treads, that ground I'll give to you. What if we viewed that when we walked into work? This ground is his. What if we believe that when we walked into our homes? This ground is his. What if we believe that when we got around our family members that were lost? This ground is his. What if we believe that when we walked into hospital rooms? This ground is his. Come on. Come on. We rest in him. We are more than conquerors. Not conquerors, more than conquerors. Romans 8 37, more than conquerors. More than conquerors. I'm, I'm going to share a sports example with you real quick. If you don't like sports, I'm sorry, I do. <laughs> used to play basketball with this guy named James. And he was the best basketball player that I've ever played with by far. And no one I've ever played with even comes close. 
he was absolutely, he was just insane. He was so dominant. And it wasn't like he was seven foot. He was like six two. And he was just, you remember, Jason remembers, he was so good, like crazy good. I always wanted to be on James's team. Why? Because he wins. I like to win. There's a, like, you know, <laughs> sports, there's a winner and there's a loser, and that's okay. When you lose, it builds character. It makes you want to get better. The other day, my son finished baseball. We lost just about every game, but he got better every single game. And we tell him, like, buddy, you know what? You're young. We're working on things. We're getting better. But at the, end of this, at the end of the season, they gave all the kids a participation trophy. Do you know where that participation trophy is right now? The dumpster somewhere because they didn't win. And he's okay with that. It's actually not good. <laughs> Soapbox, again. It's actually not good for your kids to give them a trophy for every single thing. It's actually bad. They've done studies. It's bad for them mentally. Come on. Dude, I played basketball with a guy one time. He didn't want to keep scoring. I was like, why are we playing? What, what is the point of doing this? And all my mercy people were like, oh, it's just, just everybody has to have fun. No, fun is spelled W-I-N. You can kick rocks. My Memphis Grizzlies lost this year, and I was not happy. I was in depression for about a week. I'm kidding. But for real, I was sad that they lost. It's fun when your team wins. But I always wanted to be on James's team because James was going to win. And when I wasn't on his team, I knew we were going to lose. I just knew it. They're like, no matter what we did, how good my team was. I'll tell you a quick story. We were in a men's league one time, and we had a good team, super good team. Two of the best players that ever played here, two of the best players that have ever played at Jessville and Fountain Lake. We were good. We were playing James's team. His team was awful, terrible. Scrubs is what we call them in the sports world. First half, James is playing, passing the ball around not trying to do anything. We're up 20 with two minutes to go before halftime. 20, shoot, we're playing really good, this is awesome. James calls a timeout and I was like, uh-oh. And I told my team, he's about to, he's, here he comes. Like we just might as well all five guard him. Here he comes. Comes out of the timeout, two minutes later, we're down by five. He went on a 25-0 run by himself. It, I mean, it was, like, it was like me playing against my kids. Like the, a grown man playing another grown man, and I feel like my feet are in concrete. And it doesn't matter where he shoots from. It doesn't matter what we do. He was just that good. He was that good. This, this example that I'm giving you right now pales in comparison to Christ being the head of the church. We're more than conquerors. It doesn't matter how much it looks like the enemy is up. It doesn't matter. <laughs> don't watch the scoreboard. The scoreboard oftentimes is lying to you, right? And, and the scoreboard is on Fox, Fox News and CNN. And you know that they don't care about you? Do you know what they care about? Money. You know what they're feeding you? Something that you'll keep turning them on because the more we watch them, the more money they make. And my worldview is not based on what Fox News says is going on in the world. Come on. Well, the world's just going to hell in a handbasket. You should have come spent the weekend with us because my house looked a lot like heaven this weekend. It looked a lot like heaven. So you tell those false prophets they can kick rocks. We will overcome. I read a report the other day that says like 48,000 people a week in the Middle East are being saved. Coming to know Jesus. 
why aren't the major news networks going to share that? Because it doesn't keep you turning it on. The only, the only good news for them is bad news. Shoot, man. Come on, my peace isn't determined by who's in the White House. For real? In the White House, in Canada, in any of these other countries, in Russia, in Ukraine, my peace isn't determined by Vladimir Putin and Joe Biden. Those are little men trying to win tiny thrones. Come on. We serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on. If God is for us, who can be against us? So listen, we got to cultivate that relationship, rest in his victory. And the last, the, the point I want to kind of end on here today is you got to surround yourself with healthy community. You got to surround yourself with people who are also overcoming. Surround yourself with people who believe this. Maybe you don't believe this because you haven't surrounded yourself with people who believe this. Proverbs 18.1, the man who isolates himself is destined for destruction. You weren't made to live alone. And I can tell from the youngest person in here to the oldest person in here, we can show you what your future is going to look like based on the people that you hang out with. You can write it down. I don't care if you, this isn't just a young person message, this is an old person message. This is everybody. You're, what is it, like you're the average of the five people that you hang around? Who are you hanging Are you hanging around people that believe what God's word says? Come on. Get around, and get around people who have calmed storms themselves. Well, my marriage is falling apart. Well, don't take advice from the guy who's on his fourth. And there, listen, there's grace. I'm not, not, I'm not knocking on anybody, whatever. I know things happen. You know? Well, I just can't get ahead of my finances. Well, get around somebody who's way ahead of you. That's why I like to hang out with Tim. He's got more money than I do. That's it. No, I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> the only reason. <laughs> Listen, your marriage is falling apart. Get around people whose marriages is awesome. <laughs> my favorite thing about Pastor Tim is his marriage. My goodness, if you've ever hung out with Tim and Terry, it's a blast. It is a party. For real. Go watch a Razorback game at their house. Heck yeah. Young adult's going to have a pool party at their house. Tim's going to jump in the pool with his, with his pants on. He jumped in the pool with his jeans on. Tim and Terry have fun. They have an amazing time. The biggest testimony about our pastors is their marriage. And it should be. Come on. I don't want him to be a great preacher. I want him to be a great husband. He's both. He's a better husband than he is a preacher. <laughs> He's saying, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> Come on, we got to get around people. Well, I came into that church and nobody talked to me. Who did you talk to? You know, you know, don't be a victim. Back to John chapter 5. Don't be a victim. Well, Proverbs says if you want friends, show yourself friendly. Right? There are people who get offended at me and Paul and Tim because we don't talk to them at church. We don't say hi to them. Now, they came in during the second song and left during our closing prayer. They've never called and asked to be, but it's still my fault, right? So, you know. Well, after church, I'm chasing my four kids. Paul and Tim, I don't know what their excuse is, but they're... They're already, past, they're already past that stage. Well, people aren't friendly here. Were they friendly at your last church? I'm not trying to be mean. I just want us to look in the mirror and go, maybe there, maybe there is a common denominator. 
Again, though, when, whenever, this is what happens whenever the Lord starts wooing your heart. He begins to show you things about yourself. And the first thing is we, we get offended because the problem couldn't be me. Or maybe it could. And listen, I'm naturally, an, I'm naturally an introvert. I know up here it doesn't look like it. I just kind of vomit things out. But I'm totally cool with sitting on the back row and never talking to anybody. That suits me just fine. But we can't use our personalities as an excuse either. Well, I went to a connect group one time, and it was awkward. Duh. It's going to be. That's what happens when you hang out with a group for the first time. It's weird. I, I get it. I get, why? Because you don't know each other. It's, it is awkward. Well, I'm, gonna, I, I'm almost out of time. I don't need to get on my soapbox here. But the reason that churches have to have small groups and connect groups and interest groups is because we are too dysfunctional to make friends. I don't need an interest group to tell me to go hang out with so-and-so that likes to do the same thing that I do. Me and Austin went and shot guns the other day. You know, there was no interest group. You know what I did? I just asked Austin if he wanted to go shoot guns. Like, I'm a grown man. He's a grown man. I can ask him, hey, man, you want to hang out? If he says no, that's fine. I'll go hang out. I'll find somebody else. Well, then hang out with me. Find somebody that will hang out with you. Somebody will. And if nobody will, look in the mirror. There's that old Christian song that was like, who will love me for me? Just Jesus. You want to be around people, you're going to have to change. God bless you with that. But find a right, listen, it's so important to find healthy community because if you don't find healthy community, you'll find unhealthy community. John chapter five, misery loves company. This man was not by himself. This man was not by himself. People want to be labeled by their issue and they want to hang around people that empower and enable their issue. So listen, you can walk in freedom with other people who are walking in freedom or you can start a Facebook group and y'all can lick each other's wounds. And I'm not saying that your wounds aren't valid. I'm not saying that somebody didn't hurt your feelings, but I am saying I know the healer and you don't have to walk in that wound anymore. And you can actually be set free from that thing. The reason we get so hurt is because we are so codependent on somebody else. Maybe if we were dependent on him, then when Pastor Tim said something mean to me, he says, listen, I've worked for him for 10 years. We've had a few mean conversations, usually because I did something dumb. I just lay low and say, yes, sir. (laughs) But for real, if we're dependent on him, we won't go from church to church to church to church looking for the perfect church. And if you find the perfect church, don't go. You'll ruin it. If we we want the perfect, here, if we want the perfect church, let's just all go outside and pray that God's spirit fills this building and he can be perfect with himself in here. But if, you're going, if we're going to be the body of Christ, we've got different personalities and different struggles and different backgrounds and different things all coming together trying to pursue the Lord. Are we going to mishandle each other sometimes? Yes. 
But where else is it being done better? Somebody told me the other day I'm against organized religion. Are you against organized everything? Well, there shouldn't, we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't organize religion. Okay, so if you're going to have church because God has called us to, don't forsake the gathering, you're going to gather with somebody at somebody's house at a certain time, who's preaching, who's bringing the food, who's doing whatever. You know what that looks like? Organization. If we're going to overcome, we're going to have to realize that people aren't perfect, but that's a beautiful thing about Jesus. He is. He is perfect. He's amazing. He's amazing. And he'll make up for where everybody else lacks. He'll make up for where everybody else lacks. My relationship with him makes up. Jesus is my need meter, not Tim, not Paul, not my wife, not my kids, not my job, not my paycheck. Jesus is my need meter. And he meets all my needs. These people sitting with this man for 38 years. I mean, how long are you going to let your dysfunction keep you from having an abundant life? Winter is it going to bother you enough that you actually do something about it? How long is it going to be somebody else's fault? How many times are you going to walk around the same mountain? Because God has called this generation to do something. But if they continue walking around the same mountain, they will never get to enter into the promised land. And they'll go to heaven when they die. But they'll never see heaven on earth. And that's what the kingdom is all about, is seeing heaven on earth. We want you to thrive this year. These people that were with this man, they wanted to be affirmed, pitied, enabled. But Jesus doesn't play those games. He's in the transformation game. He comes to heal you, not feel sorry for you. He comes to call you worthy even when you don't feel worthy. He comes to call you beloved when you don't feel worthy of his love. He calls you an overcomer, the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. He calls you mighty, righteous, healed, delivered. He calls you a holy nation, a royal priest, a chosen people. His answer to your issues is take up your mat and walk. Y'all stand with me. Church, we love you. We love you. We pray for you. We pray for you. We pray for you. A lot. A lot. Tim gets here early. I'm not an early guy. But he gets here before anybody else does on Sunday morning and he walks these aisles and he prays for us. I'm not an early guy, so I was here late last night. And I'm not saying this, I'm not trying to like boast about what we do or anything. I just want you to know that you're loved. I was here last night and put my hands on every single chair in this auditorium and prayed that you would encounter the power and the presence and the glory and the love of God today. Praying for you. I want to pray for Olvin. I was at his chair praying last night and the Holy Ghost hit me. I don't know if you know, but Olvin just became an American citizen. The main reason that I ever get on my, I don't have a Facebook, but the main reason I ever get on my wife's Facebook is just to see Olvin's post because he, he is a man who is living in the kingdom of God. Everything is positive. Everything is happy. Everything about is how blessed he is no matter what's going on around him. And so if you're around Olvin, a couple of y'all, we all lay hands on him and his family back there. Come on, somebody move that way. It's okay. You can leave your seat and move. Let's gather around him. I want to pray for him. Yeah, let's extend our hands to him right now. God, we thank you so much for Olvin and we thank you so much for his family. Lord, we thank you so much that you have brought him here. We thank you so much that you've brought this kingdom man here all the way from Honduras to Hot Springs, Arkansas. 
to build your kingdom. God, we prophesy over him that this is going to be the most blessed that his, that his business has ever been this year. That he's going to be the husband and the father that you've called him to be. That everything that he touches, everything he puts his hand and mind to is going to prosper. Lord, we're so grateful and we see that as this dual citizenship that he has, God, from in Honduras and America is, is a prophetic word about how we are being transferred from one kingdom to another. That we were citizens of one kingdom and now we're citizens of another kingdom. And we're learning something right now from Olvin and his family that you have called us to be citizens of the kingdom, citizens of heaven. God, we pray your blessing on them. God, we're so grateful that we get to be a part of their story and a part of their life. And we pray your, God's, your joy, your peace, your love to fill and encounter their home like it never has before. In Jesus' mighty name. Let's give them a hand. Come on. We love you guys. Come on. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this week. We thank you so much for this service. We thank you so much for what you're doing in and through our church. God, show us how we can be overcomers, how we can walk out of dysfunction and into your designed intention for our life. Show us how we can walk in freedom and how we can bring freedom to our homes, our workplaces, our state, our nation, our world. Show us, God, the plan and the purpose that you have for us in our lives. We put our hand to the plow when we follow you. We rest in your victory. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you, church. We'll see you Wednesday. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.